I'm really appreciative that you guys are listening to this. Uh, sorry I took such a long break, but um, now is a, as good a time as any to get back to it. There was just a lot of things going on the last year, year and a half, however long it's been with uh, stuff at work, building campaigns and uh, the capital campaigns that go along with that and just so much stuff going on. But uh, a lot of that has been handled, handled well, by the way. So things are, are looking great. But today I've got Duncan on the podcast. Duncan and I talk a little bit about COVID, uh, try and talk about church-related COVID stuff, choices about reopening, choices about how we do uh, the broadcast for worship, that sort of thing. And then we get a little bit of political stuff at the end because, you know, Duncan, <clears throat> he always is, he's that guy. So, yeah, um, glad you're back listening to the show, and uh, I guess that's everything. So without further ado, here is... Duncan McLellan. Sit down, let's talk about it. I don't know if you've heard about this thing called COVID-19. I got new mic stands because the other ones are all the way on the other side of the table. It is. It's crazy. So we are, I would say, a good five feet apart. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Try to slide a little bit over. We're supposed to be six feet. That's, I don't know how I feel about the six feet thing. Is that a real thing? Why? Why six feet? That's what I'm saying. Is that the magic number? Like somehow things... Someone said six feet at the beginning of this, and that has been etched in tablets of stone it's very strange are you a conspiracy guy about this we didn't really introduce this at all so i'm duncan Luke's <laughs> ministry friend <laughs> guy i know we won't leave me alone ah stock <laughs> yeah duncan is in the house uh i'm luke tim of course this is all the things with luke tim and we're gonna talk church covid19 and other stuff we are yeah, so buckle up for two hours of of two people who know nothing about viruses, <laughs> but want you to listen to our opinion. <laughs> Did you I listen? actually became a, a virology expert in the last eight eight weeks. Yeah, most people I know have. Yeah, if they you are, just check I Facebook. <laughs> I'll tell you all exactly. about it. Or no. articles, articles too. Like even people that write things and get paid to write them mm-hmm. now know all the things. Are you a conspiracy guy about all this? I am not. That's going to make this a lot less fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the the one thing that I kind of lean towards, I do you, think, <laughs> I do think that it was uh, not not a wet market issue. I, I do think it was a it was in a lab they were studying it and somebody got sloppy. And I I think that because um, I don't know if you heard the the pa- the podcast I put out just before with Brian, who's like an actual virologist. He he's like paid to know this. Stuff. Yeah, he's yeah. like, oh yeah, this could happen. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole thing of like it started in a wet market, like, no, it didn't. I mean, you're saying when did it make the jump from non-human to human, right? I mean, that's right. the – how do we – I mean, because so many cases are asymptomatic, how can you trace it back to patient zero? Right. It's not like – I did watch uh, Outbreak <laughs> and Pandemic, so I, I feel qualified <laughs> to speak to some of this. Yeah. Um, no, you don't know who patient zero is. There's no way you can. No. If you believe the inf- if you believe that the vast majority of cases are asymptomatic, right? Yeah, there's no way. 
But when I was talking to Brian about it, um, not on the podcast, it actually led to the podcast, I was asking him that question. He goes, oh, yeah, no, they, they were just, whatever they were doing, somebody screwed up and it aerosolized. And I go, well, how easy is that to happen? And he said, literally, he he does this. Like he, um, I'm going to screw this up. And if he's listening, he's going to get all annoyed. He, he plays with viruses, whatever he does. He goes, but if he doesn't babysit them, if he's not there, like, because he's essential. I go, why do you have to go in? He goes, well, the viruses that I'm working with could aerosolize, you know, if you just leave them alone and then you can catch them. And that's not good. But he doesn't work with like kill you viruses. But it would still be bad if they aerosolized. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, that's what he thinks. He goes, it, they were working with this thing, and I'm not a conspiracy guy to say that they were working with it to make it a bioweapon. They very well could just be studying viruses. That's a good thing They're to just do. curious Wuhan scientists. Well, it's a COVID virus, so they, to know more about a COVID virus would right. be good. It's to plan for the next pandemic. Yeah. I, I, I do think, though, the thing I've heard, the conspiracy thing that I've heard that's not – it makes sense – is that China delayed telling everybody, hey... Oh, that's not rest, conspiracy. The that's rest of the world fact. No, hey, well, exactly. <laughs> to to uh, National Review, I, f- I forget who wrote it, had a great article um, with the timeline of these are times when what China knew and how many times they denied it, and then when they finally came out and said it. But, like, proof of they knew... It wasn't like, oh, this happened, but we didn't know. Like, here's the proof that you knew, and here's the proof. And mm-hmm. then not bumping off scientists, too, is a little... <laughs> That's happening. Um, but so they, they delayed telling everybody so that they could get all the equipment for themselves. Oh, yeah. Right, so that that makes sense. Well, this is the same government that will tell you Tiananmen Square didn't happen when we have video footage of it. Like, I saw the kid in the tank. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, like, never happened. Okay. <laughs> and they, they don't think Taiwan exists? <laughs> What, what I what I love in all this is the uh, is Kim Jong Un's trying to get attention for himself in the middle of this by <laughs> pretending to die. That's that's a good one. And his sister, I want back on when his sister takes over because I think she is, she'll cut your throat. She's worse. Yes. I don't know not much about that family. I don't know much either. But again, I read an article, so I'm everyone's entitled to my opinion. I think she because they've never had a female leader, and so the first thing she has to do is prove that like. I'm legit, and the best way you do that is you kill a bunch of people. Yeah. So I think she's look out for her, or it's either that, or she decides let's just join South Korea. That'd be cool. Like we're done with North Korea. I, this place is terrible. It's weird. <laughs> we're gonna turn it into a, an amusement park. <laughs> like, just open it up. Just but, but getting stuff. back to the virus thing. Yeah. Um. Here, here's kind of we're only like a few minutes in, so I don't know if we want to go down this road yet, but. The problem I have with where, we, with where we're at, because I don't know what we should be doing, and I don't know how you solve a virus, but if you listen to what, how people are talking, and this is everyone, this is the nut jobs on the, this whole thing's a conspiracy and it doesn't exist and they're trying to lock us down so they can implant us with chips and 666 and all that, those people, <laughs> and people it. over here that are like spit guards and face masks and like wear the hat with the Nerf, mm-hmm. the Nerf noodles out to six feet, like those people... All of them are talking about process and no one's debating what's the, what should the goal be. Right. right. So the goal, right, to me, there's like three goals you could have. The first goal is we're just going to run and hide from this thing until we get a vaccine, mm-hmm. in which case mm-hmm. we got to be doing a much better job of hiding and we got to be ready to do it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But that's yep. goal one. We're just going to hide. Yep. Like we're going to isolate, we're going to shut it down, and we're just going to duck and cover. Legitimate point to argue, right? Second mm-hmm. point to argue is – 
we want, and this is what the original goal was, we want to lower the curve so that if you get sick, there's a room and a ventilator for you. Yep. Right? That's goal number two. Well, we flattened the curve. Mm-hmm. There's all these empty hospital beds, so you all need to go out and get sick again. <laughs> right? Like, that's the argument for open it up. If the goal was lower the curve so that. Right. right? Or you have goal number three, based on new information, old and sick people, go inside, hunker down, because this thing for you is legitimately scary. The rest of us get out there and start licking each other and get this herd immunity <laughs> thing going. Yeah. Right? But you don't hear people talking about and debating what the goal should be. All we are is arguing over process. Right. Which to me is like a head scratcher because people who want to stand up and take leadership of this should be arguing for a goal. Mm-hmm. Convince me of the goal. And then we bring out the epidemiologists and all them and the governors to argue process. Right. Now, I agree. And, and there hasn't been um, – and that that's on Trump um, right there. It's, it's not a strategic – like you can't have a strategic plan if you don't have a clear goal. Like here's our plan to do yeah. nothing. Because the things <laughs> you're telling us to do are if you follow it out to its conclusion or like yeah. we're, we're trying to aim at different goals. Yeah. Flatten the curve was a good goal and we accomplished that. But it, of course there will be uh, – as we open up, there will be another surge, another wave. Um, Maybe. I mean yeah. you argue it's getting hotter out too. That makes that, – That's true. That makes COVID sad. That does make COVID sad. Sunshine makes it sad. Bleach in your veins also, also makes it sad and just, you dead. That would probably not be good for you. I haven't tried it yet. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> it's a Saturday. Why not? <laughs> I got this cough. It's going to gargle with Lysol. Yeah. I agree that, that – I think – and it's it seems really clear to me the best option is that third one of um, let's all – everybody who's probably OK to get sick, get sick. Because then essentially – I mean that's what vaccines do. Vaccines build artificial herd uh, immunity. <laughs> I, I haven't been drinking, I swear. <laughs> Your age, I'm more worried about a stroke. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So, so – that, and that's where I'm at on the – on the let's go, because I'm not afraid of getting it. I'm afraid right. of spreading it. I right. don't want to get someone else sick, but am I worried about getting it? Not really. Am I worried about my kids getting it? No. Because if I'm worried and scared about them getting it, then I also have to be worried and scared about a lot of other things that have a higher risk of bad things happening. Right. right. And that's that's like pariah talk. That's heresy. Like if you if you talk that way right now, people will jump down your throat. If you just be like, you know what? I actually, I let my kids ride a bike without a helmet. Because I don't... Why do you want to kill my kids? <laughs> it's just, I mean, there's certain risks that we all take. I mean, if, if we were to say we, we should mitigate this risk to zero, what about the risk of driving in a car? Because that happens where car accidents and people die and stuff. So, like, there's no zero risk. What's an acceptable risk? And that nobody likes that conversation. Well, and the other question, and this is where you get into, the, like, you know, uh, Constitution stuff is... To what extent should the government be able to make that decision for me? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's a whole other – the hindsight on this thing is going to be fantastic. Right. Because now what makes sense to us today, two years from now, is going to be like that was the – erase that podcast because we were like mm-hmm. – we, we had no idea this would turn us into like murder hornets on day 52, <laughs> right? So we don't know. Um, but the hindsight on this is going to be interesting and – I'm not a prediction guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if this emboldens the limited government people to go. Looking back on this and how we did shut down the economy, I had a guy come into our church yesterday, um, and he first came to our church, anecdotal story time, right? Mm. 
but this is how we build relationships with the people who watch or listen to and watch, listen to our pod, your podcast, right? Let me build a relationship with you by telling me this anecdotal story. They'll tug at your heart. No, but it's true. And times how many? So we're having, remember, remember we used to have Lenten dinners? I do recall those. We had one once earlier this year, like two months ago. And there's a guy, or not two months ago, back in beginning of Lent, guy shows up off the street and he's drunk. And so I invite him to sit at my table because interesting is always better than boring. And I love Jesus. You find that he sits with me and I hear his story and hard luck story, right? Like trips over himself, can't get out of his own way and he struggles with alcoholism. Yeah. So he comes to chapel the next day and I make him a deal. I made him a deal that he had lost his job for being drunk on the job. And I told him, I will look for work for you if you promise to keep coming to chapel. Knowing that the minute I ask someone, they're going to say no. Mm-hmm. No one's going to hire, but I will ask. So I asked my buddy. He said no, whatever. But this guy kept coming to church, cleaned himself up, was back on his feet, got another job. Things were moving in the right direction. Well, he's a single guy, and he's he's probably a little older than us, mid-40s. Mm-hmm. We're not mid-40s yet, are we? I'll be 43 in November. That's getting close to Me mid. Too. We're that close, huh? <laughs> yeah, like, ah. so, so during the pandemic, no one cares about this guy. Right. No, nope. he has no one to go home to. He can't leave his home. <clears throat> right. He has no roommates. He, his job lets him go. He's not essential. And so guess who shows up at church drunk yesterday? Yeah. Relapsed. Uh-huh. And now he's got, he's going to get evicted and blah, blah, blah. Domino, 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 domino. All as a result of decisions that not he made that other people made for him mm-hmm. about this disease. Mm-hmm. Times how many? Oh, yeah. Now that I can point to and say, I can show you the damage being done by our decisions right now. What I can't do is tell you how many lives we've saved. Right. Right. And And that doesn't mean what we're doing is wrong. It just means that we are doing actual real damage. Yeah, there there has you have to at least acknowledge the other side of the coin. And everybody's got, you know, their stories of, you know, I was I was talking to somebody who's um, got a job where she just started this job and. I mean, obviously got let go because COVID-19 can't get unemployment because you have to to qualify for unemployment. You had to be at that job for whatever number of months. And she just SOL. Slipped through the cracks. Sorry. Yeah. No soup for you. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, there's... Meanwhile, I got a check a few weeks ago. Yeah, and and she got that check, but she can't do the unemployment thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a crappy situation, and you have to acknowledge that, that... you do want to weigh those against each other. And that's, that's always been my position about the reason why the, the gun debate stops where it does is because nobody wants to even entertain the question. So even when you ask the question, what is an acceptable number of gun deaths? Because they go, man, if, if we just get rid of AR-15s, then there won't be any more gun deaths. Well, yet there's going to be a lot more still. <laughs> there's still plenty. So you, if, if, if your answer is zero, then you have to get rid of all guns and most people i know don't want no guns and i don't know anybody who 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 would say you can have no guns for hunting um can't go duck hunting anymore you you can't go target shooting or anything like that so same thing and zero guns means zero guns not even the police right if you're going to play that game because the minute you introduce guns to the system there's guns in the system somebody's going to get them but but to the point of you have to ask that question of um, lives saved for closing down, lives ruined for closing down. And lost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Suicide and such. 
And to nuance the question further, it's what is the acceptable loss of life before we start taking away freedom? Right. Because what's interesting about this pandemic is that the, day one, everyone looked at the government and said, keep us safe. Mm-hmm. And the government goes, the only tool we have that we've been given is to take away freedom. Mm-hmm. We can't make you safe. Right. The government can't walk in front of you with the COVID bulldozer and move it out of the way for you. The only tool it has, and that's not a bad thing. The only tool the government has to take away freedom. Well, they, they also have the ability to hyper fund um, and whatever. What is that War Powers Act to like tell a company now you're working on COVID-19? Not the Which is taking doing. away their freedom. Yeah, to conduct- but not, that's not a personal freedom. Mm-hmm. Corporate freedom. You're right. But I mean, to, to and here's a bucket is, of money. It, right, exactly. <laughs> is the government the right tool to look to? In a pandemic to keep us safe. And you can pros and cons. I don't think keep us safe is, is the... But that's what people want to... You know, do. I agree. But that's that's not what we ought to be thinking. We should be thinking in terms of government's job in this pandemic because of the size and scope of it is um, to fund solutions is the biggest thing, I think. Yes. Like I, I want them pouring buckets of money. I was hoping money. we'd argue this time. <laughs> but it... But it, it uh, and, and I think so. So, which circles back to your question: What's the acceptable? How many people can die before we come in and take away freedom? I think in today's culture, very few. Yeah. I don't think we. I don't think if you handed someone today true freedom, which says you can do whatever you want and it, you may die in a ditch, mm-hmm. the mythical average person says no, thank you. Oh, yeah. I want a certain level of security. Oh yeah. And I'm willing to sacrifice fifty percent of my freedom for twenty percent security. Yeah. Whereas in the American experiment, it's been, I'm not willing to sacrifice 20% of my freedom for 50% security. Right. I'm all in on freedom and uh, pros and cons, right? But what I've seen in society's response to this pandemic is freedom is not, is not high on our, on our list of priorities. It's because we're soft. I mean, it's, it's, we've gotten so soft, so comfortable with freedoms um, not comfortable with freedoms as much as we don't appreciate them as, as much as we ought to, for sure. But we've, we've just gotten soft in terms of um, we don't see people die. We don't, we're not around tragedy very often. And, and it does happen for sure, but usually I mean, we're pretty soft, pretty sanitized. People get sick, they go away. Like I don't, I don't hang around with sick people. I will visit and see them when I'm ready to visit and see them. Yeah, and people They're stop going to funerals. People don't like to go to funerals and and see death and and deal with the that's staring you in the face. Um, it's just yeah. We so as soon as something like this happened and it got real big and scary, everybody got really really scared. But like back in the day, really scary things like Nazis showed up and everybody was like, I know a guy who lied about his age so he could join the military to kill Nazis. He was fourteen. And I don't know how he passed. Yeah, I don't know how he passed for a, a eighteen year old. But I'm, I'm sure they looked at him and were like, "Okay, all right, <laughs> can you shoot straight?" Actually, he was a he was a Navy guy, so he didn't have to shoot a gun. I think they were like, "Whatever, we'll take you." And well, that was super risky because I mean, German U boats and that. Yeah, going to war, it, mm-hmm. like and, a real war. Yeah, where we may not win, and we we may not be like wars we fought lately. Technically, conflicts. We can stop fighting them at any time, and life doesn't really change all that much. For no, else. no, they're optional. Yes. World War Two was not optional. Yeah, voluntary, total, complete, voluntary war. And for the most part, 
I mean, our, our soldiers put themselves in, in line of danger. But, like, what do we lose a year? 5,000 soldiers or something like that in our conflicts? Speaking of acceptable risk. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about it. Right. All right. No big deal. But, like, in World War II, something like 20 million. 5,000 in a training accident. <laughs> yeah. Like, we were just screwing around and thousands of men died. Mm-hmm. And the sun rises and the sun sets, and that's how people viewed it. Yeah. I think something like 20 million Russians died in World yeah. War II. <laughs> like, we need you to stop counting. Mm. Like, we need you to stop counting and start fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, no, yeah, they, they suffered the most losses. And I think you're right. I think it was 20 million. Um, Chinese, I don't think, do they have accurate records of how many Chinese died? Who knows? We don't really talk about that. Japan yeah. kind of going to China. Like, that. that who cares? Yeah, talk about a ballsy move. See that giant continent over there? Let's go attack all of it from our tiny little island. With no natural resources because we need natural resources. Wow. Uh, It almost worked. I know. Uh, No, so I'm not convinced we've had the right to – I mean I know online. You go online and you look at what people are writing about this pandemic. You go, we're not writing about the correct things. And everyone's made up their mind and they're just trying – but the sides they're taking are are silly. The – Go out and lick things side versus the put on a spacesuit and like don't talk to anyone yeah. side. And I want to get as many experts on my side as possible. We're not asking the right question. What do we want the goal to be? So I, I have a, a weird take on the whole Donald Trump as our leader during this thing. I, I actually um, appreciate how how terrible and dummy is because. This is what I thought. When people were like, are we really going to shut everything down? Like, shut the economy? You know what that's going to do to the economy? I, and I go, but if anybody wouldn't do it, it would be Trump. So if Trump is like, we need to shut this down, like, oh, dude, we got to take this we seriously. Need, <laughs> and do you think that's why so many limited government, like me types, libertarian, conservative, like, mm-hmm. were like, yeah, for a while I'm willing to give it a shot because if it would be, if Obama would have come out and said that, been like, Right. Screw you, commie. A hundred percent. Like, you want to shut down the economy you anyways. Do this. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, Trump, you're like, oh my gosh, Trump's closing the economy? We're all going to die. <laughs> this, is, this is real. And so so, so that explains the run on toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, so the, my best joke that I've heard on that is, uh, the reason why is because every time now somebody sneezes, <laughs> 10 people shit their pants. <laughs> That's why I would eat toilet paper. <laughs> Have you noticed a difference? Because I've, I've seen a few posts on the difference between the generations in, in their response to this, that the um, the baby boomers and the millennials are kind of nonchalant about it. And, and Gen X, you and me, we're like we're the ones that are putting on spacesuits and sanitizing our cats. Yeah. And it's us. And down to I think um, I think young people in their 20s are like just. I think they're taking it seriously, but not actually doing anything. Like they're all very, very scared. Virtue signaling kind of thing. Kind like, of, look at yeah. Me with my selfie with me and my mask. Yeah. Like, but then having parties and hanging out together. Right. <laughs> like you're not doing you this. Gotta right. do this all the time. <laughs> this is not. This is not an Instagram right thing. Yeah, I think it is like virtue signaling. But yeah, they, they do. They 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 talk up a good game. They. Uh, put on a, a good front, but then they're they're kind of all over the place. But I, I actually haven't taken it. Um, as seriously as others in our demographic, I don't think. Um, I rarely wear a mask. Uh, I want them out and about. Because um, again, I just stay six feet away from people because that's the magic distance. And masks don't 
don't keep me from getting it. So like, but I I know how to not sneeze on people. Right. <laughs> I know how to how not many, lick things. How many mouth breathers do we have? Like that's my like, like <laughs> right. Because I, I, yeah, I, I we we bought. So we're going to get to the church thing probably at mm. some point. Mm. So we opened up sort of last week, and we went out and bought 110 masks for whoever wants them when they come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody took them. And it was interesting to see like at one Saturday evening service. More than half of everybody had masks on. And they were like the legitimate, I honestly think if I was COVID, I'd have a hard time getting in and getting out of your mask masks. Not like masks where you're like, mm-hmm. so that's just your underwear. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, then, and then in the other service, nobody had them. And then at the morning services, the earlier morning people had them. And then, so it was interesting that there was not a consistent mask thing. Because um, I, don't, I don't wear them because I... I'm just lazy. I don't go out much. Yeah. Well, there's that too. And the people I work with, like, honestly, if one of the people in our office gets it, we're probably all going to get it. Yeah. Whether we're wearing a mask or not. Eventually I'm going to lick your hair and I'm just going to get it. I can't help. Gonna Joe Biden, somebody. I am going to Joe Biden, somebody, <laughs> which I also want to talk about. <laughs> Cause I think there's money to be made on betting with you on what's going to happen at their convention. Well, and it is crazy because I have this, this bet, a hundred dollar bet that I made back in October or September uh, with a guy, and I said a hundred dollars Biden is going to win, and they were like, "There's no way, there's no way, there's no way." So I kind of won, but I feel like it could go away. <laughs> so like, I, he hasn't given me the money yet, and it makes me nervous. <laughs> but anyways, um, back to I, somebody was asking me. My neighbor actually was asking, like, you know, I think he's going to change the way we behave like forever. And I went, no. I don't. I, I think that in six months, no one's going to be wearing a mask. You're, you're going to see all three or four every time you go out, but it's going to be very limited. People are not going to social distance anymore. It is. We are too much the way we are to change long term. Once once the big scary kind of goes away and we get something closer to herd immunity, um, yeah, it's going to go away. Um. I think that stays the same. I don't think we're going to wear masks and like not shake hands. I, I I think that all comes back. I think we are going to see differences in how people work uh, and, and have a serious discussion, hopefully, about, hey, you governors that were like arresting people for opening their hair salons, like mm-hmm. uh, maybe we haven't tarred and fed anyone in a while. Yeah. I mean, because I, and, and whether that goes in a constructive direction or whether it's just the red team says tar and feather the overaggressive government and law enforcement and the blue team says, no, they were trying to keep us safe or whatever. There is an opportunity for constructive criticism or constructive discussion about, so what exactly can we trust the government to do? Right. I, I don't have a whole lot of hope for that. I do think it changes how we work. Um, that would be cool if more, if people work from home more, if companies realized we can run people in shifts in the office, that'd be great. And people will love it. Yeah. What's not to like? So traffic goes away. So pollution yes. becomes less a thing. Yes. I get more road to myself, mm-hmm. which I like. <laughs> and then you also have people working from home with, with, with kids in the house to a certain degree preferred. Mm-hmm. Uh, and businesses have to rent less space. Yeah. So – the other thing that could be interesting is if schools don't open up in the fall, because what we're learning from home, we already knew this, but I think a lot of parents are realizing it for the first time. 
There's a lot of my kids' day in school, and I'm not blaming anyone for this. It's just the way it is, but a lot of their time is wasted. Oh, yeah. And I love teachers, so that's not where we're going with that. But public education, I don't need my kid to be gone for seven hours to learn what they're learning in school. They can learn it at home in two. Or that's what I think. And so I think you're going to go – like we're looking at – so our kids go to Ashland Ridge, uh, 800 kids in the school, right? And we're going – so we're going to go from no more than 10 to like 800. And all the kids are licking each other. Mm -hmm. I mean they are – (laughs) Actually. For real. Like they're picking and licking each other's noses, Uh right? So no. So it's – so what do you do – and we'll probably be okay with it because we're more like – Whatever, like, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a good chunk of people and they're not crazy who say, I'm not ready for my kid to go back to school yet. Right. So what do, what does the public school, if the public school just comes out and says, we're open, like we were open before this started, you're going to get a lot of parents going, whoa, no. Yeah. And what do you do when 30% of your parents, 40%, even 20% are like, I have some serious concerns with how you're doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have morning and afternoon sessions in school while also offering an all-day alternative for parents who need, let's be honest, the daycare option? Right. Yeah, I think that um, as far as schools go, I think the the parents wanting their kids to go back to school is going to outweigh their concerns because they're going to look at it as if they've got young kids, they themselves probably aren't in their 60s and in that category of of danger anyways, and their kids are certainly not in the danger category. So – and I, I actually think a lot of the the stuff that is important at school, and I think a lot of parents think this way too, is is the in-between learning stuff. The not just social aspect, but teachers, um, you know, just touching base with kids, building relationships. I mean, there's there's just so many other things that go on that are actually, I think, useful. There's there's a bunch of garbage I don't think is any good. I'd maybe say you can you can reduce it by thirty percent. I don't know. Yeah. Guidance always annoys me. <laughs> my kids come back and tell me about guidance. I'm like, oh my gosh. My, my kids have done it. Thomas, he's second, finishing up second grade. I think we're already done with it. I don't mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. But he went from guidance was his favorite thing in kindergarten. Now second grade, he's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> We've discovered the joy of recess and PE. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's, uh, but it's not one size fits all. And I think you are yeah. going to have parents that are like, I'm not sending my kid back to this. Nor do I want to become a homeschool parent. What do you have for me? Right. And and that's a serious question. And I, I'd be open to, look, I'll send my kid to school 8 to noon. And then those sports that we spend all evening running around like crazy people doing, let's do that from like 1 to 3. And then, oh, wouldn't that be nice? And then I come – and then we're – like one thing I love about this pandemic, and I'm curious how with the Timlets things are at your house – but I love this new normal in so many ways. Oh, yeah. The only thing I would change is let's bring everybody back to church. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of dig that. Let's go to the gym. Uh-huh. Let's let my kids play with their friends. Like, let's have people in our house. Other than that, this is fine. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's kind of my personal experience, too. And, and we've been a little bit lax with uh, kids in the neighborhood. Because I'm like, give me a... More and more so, though, right? No, we kind of always were. <laughs> we had we had neighbors who moved in. We just really dig them. We're just kind of on the same page. And uh, neighbors across the street quarantined themselves for uh, several weeks. You know, they, they weren't sending their kids across the street. Um, one of them's got asthma, so I guess he's in a little bit higher risk category. But we're like, you know, we're, we're all really healthy. Our kids are young and healthy. And frankly, um, you know, I, I, my parents aren't in town. Their parents aren't in – like we don't have contact with anybody who's in that high risk category. So it seemed okay. 
See, that's kind of where we're going, where when things started, it was like you didn't see neighborhood kids at all together. Right. And that's sort of been, then we did the social, like you can play on this side of the yard and you play over here. And now I think in our neighborhood, you kind of pick out those families where you're like, I think you're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's some families where you're like, oh, we can't, no, we got to be at least like 12 feet apart. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. but other families, you're more to say, we're just kind of extending our family by the other house, the other families in our neighborhood Yeah, that were willing to be like, hey, if you get it, we're going to get it. And if we get it, you're going to get it. And we're cool with that. Yeah. And, and we don't, we don't go into each other's houses. Like we've, it's always been outside. Right. So far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's probably on the horizon. Things will change a little bit, but. Because the, the the social isolation, especially for kids, yeah. like how do you tell them like your school is shut down, sports are canceled, you can't play with your friends, but don't be scared. Right. And what drives me crazy is like the park. Parks aren't open. Like that's a great – they're outside in the sun, which kills COVID. And I mean I guess if you're sick, you can get it on the jungle gym and somebody else can get it on the jungle they gym. They rope off the stuff the kids are climbing on and spitting on. Yeah. We all know the stuff that like we shouldn't – but like fields. Yeah. <laughs> Grassy areas. Yeah, wide open areas. Why not? Hmm. Why not? I know, it's weird. But so you guys opened up a little bit last week. We did. So over so during pandemic, we did um we recorded sir, we didn't do the live streaming thing because I, I don't like live streaming things. I think it's you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah, sadness. Uh, that's the right choice. Live streaming? No, pre-recording is oh, the yeah. right choice. Good. Again, we're not going to call each other names on this one. <laughs> no, it's because you're – Gibbs had a great post on Facebook when this whole thing started, and he said it – a professor that we had at seminary who's awesome. Awesome. And so – and I forget exactly how he said it because he knows more words than I do. <laughs> but he said to the effect that this whole screen thing, whether it's Zoom or online worship, you go into it expecting community. Like actual people community. You have kids with sticks in your church parking lot. Big sticks that they're waving around. That's fine. Are you going to be the guy that yells at kids with sticks? No, not at all. All right. So but so then you do your online thing that you were expecting like this is actual people. And then you realize it's not actual people and your expectations of true community and fellowship aren't met. And you actually end up worse off after your meetings and your socialization than you did before. Yeah. It would be better if this man had never been born kind of thing. Yeah. You better just not to do it at all. Um, so what, when I look at churches that live quote, live stream their worship, I know what's going on as a pastor. You are up there in an empty room with lights and cameras and a couple of production crew people mm-hmm. known as the church secretary and mm-hmm. the <laughs> that are there. And you're preaching as if the church is full, but we all know that it I know. isn't. And yep. we have to do everything in a one take format. Why? Yeah. Right. I can't put things up on the screen next to me that have the Bible verse or an image that goes with what I'm saying. I'm limited in what I can portray. Right. I'm in a one, I'm in one take format and, and it's a lie. We're not really worshiping. Yeah. I'm performing for you, the viewer. <laughs> right. No, so let's admit it. Like, so we did the whole, like, hello and welcome. Like, here we are. Uh, here's my sermon and I'm going to leave. I'm going to stand on one side of the screen and just give me other things on the other side of the screen. And then we're going to have our musician, RK, play a couple of songs, maybe with Craig from the gate. They're going to do duets and music, and we're going to pray, and we're done. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do a real worship service because this isn't a real worship service. See, I, I disagree just a little bit. I I was the same. Um, I started at the beginning, probably the first two services I did, I, I pretended like there were people in the room. 
And I figured that out quick. I was like, but there's not. there's not, you know, especially like when you have a different camera angle and you're like pretending like you're talking and the camera's to the side of you. So you're, you're looking not at the camera. You're, you know, looking out at the seats where all the people are like that's everybody knows there's nobody in those seats. So I switched that up just just to um, uh, stop pretending that there's no and I actually did it kind of mid service. I was like, I'm just going to stop pretending. <laughs> <There's people. laughs> but we we st- I mean, we still include like the yeah. welcome. Um, we, we do a creed because our people do that along and at home. And I, I we also set ours up so that it premieres while it's pre-recorded. It's it's worship is at 930 on Sunday morning. Right. And so like yep. it feels like everybody's together and they're, you know, we're going to maybe start opening up comments and stuff like that too. So people can watch and comment live. Oh boy. I do. Uh, I know that's why I haven't yet. Tell me what you really think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's okay. I think it's fun. Then we do confession and absolution. I am of the opinion. Some people are like, you can't absolve people's sins over. Like, Hey, you can don't be stupid. Did Jesus die for them? Yeah. yeah. All right then. And did they confess their sins? Uh, uh-huh. They just did. So, so here we go. Here's your forgiveness. It's that works just fine. Um, we, we've not done online communion. That's a hot topic. Yeah, no, bad idea. I would totally do it. Here's why I wouldn't do it. And this is where you got to thread that needle between being able to piss off conservatives and liberals. <laughs> and here's how you thread the needle, right? We are called to do what? Public word and sacrament ministry. Mm-hmm. So I would argue that if families want to do communion in their home, I'm not your guy. I'm the public guy. So if you as a family want to do communion in your home, go for it. Yeah. If the dad or head of household wants to get up and this is my body, this is my blood, you don't need me for that. So I would say not that magic words of institution over airwaves doesn't consecrate elements. I don't. You would just do it a different way. I would just say I haven't been called to do communion privately in your home. So you do it if you want to do it. So we also offered on Sunday morning and Saturday night. We also offered uh, private confession and absolution because we viewed it as a tool. Like, what's a practice in the church that we don't do anymore that's kind of cool and might be useful? True. Private. So now we have over 100 families that have participated in private confession and absolution right. that they did, never did that before. And it's cool. We meet with them. I'd meet with them, and like Coop would have his stand over in the gym, and I had mine in the narthex, and you know, talk to people for a number of, you know, hey, how's it going? Crazy times, huh? Yeah, you know, how are the kids? All this. And then get into a rich a, a rite of private confession and absolution with the Lord's Supper. Right. I kind of missed that because I got to know people. Yeah. Yeah. They, they shut that down, though, because we were doing something sort of similar. Um, like uh, you walk in, doors open so you don't touch anything. People just walk in. Um, everybody's wearing masks, do communion. <clears throat> at, at, we kept it very – it was very, very safe. But then the governor was just kind of like, you can't distribute food. Like in, specifically towards communion, like we just did it one family at a time. Yeah, they said you can't do that. Uh, too bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. It's okay. Then, then whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. But we are. And guess what? Guess how many people got sick? Zero. Zero got uh, sick. They're uh, willing to admit it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, or no, if they're asymptomatic. Right. But whatever. Point is, uh, we so do we, all we the do, stuff yeah. in worship. You know, mm-hmm. we do. You know, we sing. We have the the words on screen and. We're about 50, 50 people I've talked to. Some people are – and it, the really striking part is the people who sing at home can't believe that there are people who don't sing at home. And, and the people, people who don't, don't sing, sing at home, home can't believe there's people who do. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and so like we're, we're that family that 
we all sing. Like we, I, and that's the other cool thing is I get to worship in my house with my kids, and while watching myself, yeah, on TV, which is a little weird. But yeah, we all sing together, and I can't. Why would you not sing? I don't get it. Like it's music. So you're just sitting there. Yeah, just how weird. I don't know. Do you sing at home with your family during worship? We don't, well, I'm at church doing confession and absolution. Oh, right. So I'm okay. not there for that. No. Yeah, I mean, I would because it teaches your, it's teaching your kids the faith. Dad does this, therefore it's cool. I sing when there's good songs on the radio. Yeah, like, singing is a good thing. <laughs> like Johnny Cash is on, on the radio and or through Alexa, and we're singing together. Yeah, That's, no, it's absolutely. Why would you not? That's so weird. So now what we're doing, so <laughs> I told you that story to tell you this mm-hmm. one. So we did we did open up limited form last weekend. We're doing the same thing this weekend where we are in our contemporary service. We have stacks of chairs as you come in. You grab a chair and go sit where you want. Keep yourself separated. But we have signups. So we send a thing out every week to our, our members, So which gets to the, the one of the points to make is that I don't think any church during the pandemic, it interestingly, has prioritized outreach and evangelism, mm. which shame on us. We have. No, you haven't. You did stuff online. No. What else did you do? Well, we canvassed the neighborhood, um, put some signs up, uh, encouraging people. We actually awesome. do a lot of uh, Facebook advertising to the because you can, you can make your Facebook advertising specific to an area. So the demographics right around here. Um, we've let everybody know that if the, we actually have um, some resources on hand because our both of our big mission trips to Kenya got canceled, and so there's some dollars. We're like, let's let's turn that around and put it in the community. So we've we've helped out a handful of people in our community, uh, not at all members of our church. Financially and with other stuff. It's your policy base, so you can make those quick decisions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just do it because it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to well, do. Why wouldn't you do it? Because you can. Yeah. Over here in board base land. <laughs> I have to have nine meetings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Working on that too. Well, how many people? So, you- so we would. So we have people would sign up, and and so and and so we'd have a maximum of sixteen families per per service mm-hmm. we can fit in with distancing and we do the same thing Sunday morning for sanctuary worship roped off every other pew and you sign up one family or group per pew and you sign up for a pew and you come in and you worship and it's shorter so we have time to scrub a dub dub after you're after you're gone and uh, Lord Supper's there if you want it everybody we, we actually did benediction and then if you want to leave you can leave those that want to stay for Lord's Supper can stay mm-hmm. and so nobody left Cool. It was awesome. And then, but we're also still doing a different sermon online. So we're doing both because we don't want to tell our people, if you want Jesus, you got to come outside to get him. Mm-hmm. Because there are people who, this is a legitimate risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we want to continue to minister to them as well. So we're doing, we're actually working more now. We're doing both and. Right. Uh, both the, the service in your house. And then we're also doing the gate and the, the vacancy there. Yeah. They're getting property now. Really? We're working on a lease deal. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. We we have taken the exact opposite track. <laughs> We're not going to open up probably to like early to mid-June because um, everything you just said I don't want to do. And and part of it is the annoyance of – yeah, <laughs> it's the annoyance of um, ha- having to administrate some sort of sign-up thing. Yeah. Like I feel bad for like Lutheran Church of Hope. Like, I, I've been saying this for weeks. The, the churches that are going to really suffer are yeah. really small – were really big 
Because how do you say you can only have 50 people show up and try and get all of your people? Your thousand people that normally, or three, how many thousand do they have? I think it's like six. How do you pay the bills? I know. (laughs) Uh And um, about 50% of what they receive in contributions is in the plate on Sunday mornings, not online. So zero. And yeah, probably, I mean, that there will always be people who just, continue to forget. God bless them, love them to death, but they don't contribute when they're not there because they forget to, and they don't remember to go back. They're not going to get those dollars. Um, they actually get to the tune of like a hundred grand or something like that a week and just cash. Now zero. Now zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sucksville. But they're, they're essentially um, numbering all of their seats and then their rows. And just like, you know, if you were going to buy a ticket at a concert, um, you, you have to in advance, you know, you know, charge you but get your ticket for that seat and they're they're down to like 200 i think people in, in five weeks when they open i think they're shooting wow. for 200 people they're they're already talking that they're not gonna really go back to normal for at least until until this time next year what uh-huh how can they know that that seems like well f- because the the amount of people so, so here's the other thing is um it would be catastrophic on like a national level for a big church to to get this sort of PR thing. Yeah. You don't want that. Because there was, I mean, a medium size, a a big funeral basically down in Georgia made the national news for several weeks because a bunch of people got COVID and a handful of people died from it. And they were all like, look, they had a funeral. Because we're out to get religion anyway. I mean, in certain corners. Can you imagine? You just served it up for them. 2,000 people at a time going to that building or something like that. Well, and the other question is, would you get them? I mean, maybe they're just dealing with yeah. the honest reality of not only that, but let's be honest, half our people are, they're staying home for the duration. Yeah. And maybe they should. Yeah. Um, we're not going to get them anyway. Let's not advertise that we want them. Yeah. Maybe a smart thing. No, and the small churches um, are going to struggle because they can't pay the bills, period. Yeah, and a lot of those small churches uh, are aging con- congregants anyways. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's bad news. So have you guys been doing dollars and cents wise? Actually, really good. Our yeah, our giving did not dip um, very much at all. The first weekend was obviously a big, you know, a huge dip because a you know, Sunday morning was a goose egg, um, and people just weren't thinking, oh, I should stop by. But now everybody, our, our online givers have jumped a ton. Um, we actually, we actually get, we've had a few offering contributions from people we have no idea who they are, and they're just watching online. Nice. Yeah, it's like I want to support you. Like, cool, man. And I want to let you. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But um, yeah, I don't want to administer. I don't, I don't want to have you know five services of uh, you know 50 people or whatever stupid thing we'd end up doing. I just I don't want to do that. I think it's a waste of resources. The the amount of um, what else are you doing? We're going to keep doing the online thing. I mean, you said a waste of resources. Well, it's, it's also a tax on resources like our worship team. So now we're going to ask everybody uh, every week to do four or five services back to back to back to back to back. So, we, yeah, we've changed our, our music. We've, we've, pared, we've pared it down. Yeah. Shorter services. Um, yeah. No, I get that. If you're stuck with a, with a huge group of people. A six service. All right, guys. With enthusiasm, with feeling this time, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just this sense of, I, I want, we should be in that sweet spot as far as size that I, I'm guessing by mid-June, we can all come back together. Mm-hmm. And 
that'll be awesome. Like we can all just come back and worship together and, you know, just keep suffering through this thing. And, and also to your point of, I, I want to make the jump clean and quick to, uh, a full experience on Sunday morning and live broadcast. So we are going to be doing a, a live stream when we make that jump, but it, it'll be full stop on recording full start Sunday morning worship with live stream. Yeah. Good luck. See, we wanted our worship when we got back together. We, we thought about like, let's have a big, cause the first week we didn't worship was Easter. I know. That was the first week you shut down. It's like, it's our first service back. It's going to be like Easter Sunday and Christ is risen and exciting. And it's wonderful. And we realized to wait for that day to happen, like that's way off in the future. Yeah. I don't, you're saying June for everybody to come back. Uh huh. Maybe. I think so. Maybe you'll be open, but there's still going to be people. Oh, again, yeah. They're not crazy that just this isn't for them. Oh, for sure. I can watch online. I'm going to do it. So people missing. Um, so also, our first Sunday back, we're going to shoot for a big outdoor service. So, because we, we can't get all of our people in one service anyways we don't have the facilities for it so one big outside service um which which buys us another week as far as making sure everything is okay we have a big green space outside if it's a nice day i mean obviously there's a contingency of rain in in iowa but if it's a nice day you throw your blanket down you worship together as a family you can still social distance um and i would think that there there could be those people who are cleared his throat i I don't know if i should leave the room (coughs) is it dry (coughs) Can't breathe. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, you could people who are borderline risky could still social yeah. distance and probably probably do an outside service. I I do not like outside services, by the way. <laughs> no one. It's hard to pay attention <sighs> to these bees. And there's bees. It is hard to do. Speaking of bees, <laughs> then murder wasps are the best thing ever. No, the cicada eating the head. Of the murder <laughs> Have you seen that video? No. There's. It's a great video. It's. It's you can look it up. It is a praying mantis, and it's sitting behind this murder hornet, and the murder hornet is just minding its own business, and the mantis just jumps on. It. Well, look it up. Oh. It's fantastic. He jumps on him, and he holds him down with his mantis claw things, and just starts eating his head while the bees trying to fight back. And you just feel like, yeah, do it for the honeybees, right? It's like right. this wonderful thing. <laughs> do it for the honeybees. And it's it's. Uh, I can't believe you haven't seen this. No. It's a great, yeah, mantis versus uh, murder hornet. It'll make you forget all about plans for the church, COVID, all that stuff. <laughs> because he eats his head while he's still alive. Are these praying mantises like the ones that we have in the, yes, in the United States? Yes, in abundance. Yeah, I, we have and them in our yard all the time. to wherever they are on the West Coast. Oh, oh. Yeah. Play by play. Dude, he just murked him. That mantis just pounced. Both pinchers grabbed him, but he's eating his eye. Oh, my gosh. Just, like, chewing right into the base of his skull. Oh, those pinchers are making fast work. And he is, the murder hornet is, he can't reach him with his stingers, the no, problem. stinger thrust him. Yeah. And he can't. He and, doesn't have the range. And his head is getting eaten. Oh, he just eats right through his eyeball into his skull. And he's pulling, just pulling his face apart. Dude, that you're not recovering from that murder hornet. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> they fast forward it, and he's still moving. The wasp is still trying to get him stuck. He's still trying to sting him. Without a head. And his head's like two-thirds gone. <laughs> and it's over, ladies and gentlemen. One-round knockout. Just 
beat the brakes off that murder hornet. Just that was on him. awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, You're going to watch that again, aren't you? Dude, yeah, that was awesome. You'll never look at a praying mantis the same after that. Like, those things are sick. Man, that's just crazy. <laughs> I didn't know praying mantises were, like, See, you'll violent. See, the same way. <laughs> I had no idea. With no fear, just jumps on him. I got this. That is awesome. <laughs> All right, hang on. I got to send one message here. So, um, so how many people did you you have? So we had we had about half of what we normally had, which was okay. which was a pleasant surprise in that it wasn't horrible. Um, we really don't know. And so when we started worshiping again, we wanted to do the big like Easter celebration. But then, how long do you wait? And and we knew that people really, when you're doing private confession and absolution, and there's people in tears. Because and literally, I'm not, not. You know me. I'm not sentimental about anything. That, that. <laughs> um, but in tears because I just want to worship again. I know we had the same thing when we were doing. And you communion. give Grandma Jen her worship back. Yeah, you know. And then during communion, we had a, a family and like a tough guy. Communion, bawling his eyes out. Mm-hmm. He's never teared up at worship that I've seen before, but he finally has it back. Yep. He, he can worship in this way. His relationship with Christ is back to normal, mm-hmm. and that's cool. So I'm okay with and making the services so it doesn't feel normal. Like there's no pads in the pews. It's a short service. You're in, you're out. There's no shaking hand. I mean, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with coming across that way because this it's isn't the, the same. same. I mean, some people ask us, can you do more, do all the liturgy and like, we can, but we're not going to. And one of the reasons why we're not going to is because we don't want this to look normal. Yeah. Because this isn't. You have to sign up to worship. That's weird. That's weird. Pews are roped off. I mean, it's... And then you leave and you don't talk to anyone. After communion, you just walk out. I yeah. And it's... You're done. And uh, that should feel weird. Yeah, I, I, that's the right way to do it. I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I, no, I get it. I mean, yeah. I... I Watching. If you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. So why didn't you do Car Church? Um, I think Car Church has all kind. It's fraught with all kinds of problems. Uh, technical glitches um, on the day of, morning of, can be a real issue. Um, I think that it's not conducive to to worship in in a vehicle. I think is a weird thing. You, you know, you have to stay in your seats. This station sucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I also we just had this reality hit us of. Dude, somebody's going to have to go to the bathroom, and then we're going to have people coming in and out of the building, and it's... And you have to say no. Right. Do you? I don't know. And I don't see the the difference between worshiping in your car in the same parking lot. You're not really together with people if you... people that are doing it. Like, I have not heard one horror story about car church. Yeah, I just don't think it's good. We didn't look at it because we have, like, trees in our parking lot, and it goes around the corner, and, like, it just... You couldn't get... You couldn't. The whole point is, you come outside and everybody sees you, and they can hear you through the radio or the and the praise team and like. So I, I they can get see it. me on the screen, but they're not seeing you. They're seeing the screen. They, Gibbs, right? Yeah. It gets back to. There's something about that. I don't. I don't so my, not seeing my, my you, they're seeing church, you through a windshield. <laughs> my former church, they never stopped worshiping back in Pittsburgh. Ooh, they're they, one of those. They kept worshiping and. And I, I believe they were as responsible as they could be. I mean, limit the number of people. Except for that terribly irresponsible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it, 
they talked to the pastor, the WPXI, mm-hmm. came out and did an interview, and and he, it just didn't come off very well. And and whether it's selective editing or whatever it is, but um, you know, because they, they may have you know got, trapped him into sounding not good, right? And but it it made me realize why are we not worshiping? And I think it's key for churches. So pastors of churches, if you made it this far, we love you, but this is for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, be very careful that the reason why you didn't stop worshiping was, well, because Caesar said so. You don't want to play Caesar says, mm-hmm. right? Because guess what? Paul in Romans, when he's saying Caesar says, is also worshiping covertly and illegally underground. Yep. So you have no biblical background for saying when it comes to us obeying Caesar, that includes giving up worship. It, right. You have no biblical foundation for it. Instead, the right way, the right thing to say is we don't, if we keep worshiping publicly, it is going to damage our witness in the community long term if we are yes. that church. Yes. And so that's why we stopped worshiping because we didn't want to be that church. We were willing to sacrifice um, the, the blessings of worship for a time to prevent damaging our public witness long term. Absolutely. Now that it is no longer really damaging to your public witness, as long as you can show that you're doing it responsibly, we're worshiping again. But keep the focus on not obedience to Caesar, but on on ministry and mission. That's exactly right. And and that's um, I've tried to make that clear the entire time. And we've we only had really one or two people say, "Man, really? I thought this would the you know Living Faith is that kind of church that takes big risks and it is bold." And I go, "Yes, but." We do that for the kingdom, <laughs> not not self gratifyingly, self righteously. We we do that for God's kingdom. And here's the big, bold, risky thing we're doing for God's kingdom is being a good witness to the community to let them know we care enough about our people and uh, people we don't know to not be a hot spot, to not be a place that causes damage, causes people you know to get sick. That's I don't want. It's not PR, but it's kind of PR. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, we're doing this because if we didn't do it, y'all be down our necks long term. And we want to have, we want to be a voice that you will listen to. Yeah, not even a message that you need to hear. Yeah, not even, you know, down our necks. It's just, I, I care about the community enough to make sure we don't screw up. Because, I mean, we have we have a lot of people who come in and out of this building for preschool and, and all kinds of stuff. And if we get them sick and they get right. their grandparents yeah. sick, and like, ugh. Yeah, that is that is the reason. But here, here's a concern I have with the church, uh, medium to long term, is you see that letter that went out from like 15 faith leaders in Iowa last week or two yeah. weeks ago yeah. about don't worship. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, I'm looking back in my church history, and I cannot think of a time where the clergy, the pastors, are leading the charge to not allow you to worship. Again, this isn't churches being offered, and we ask you to prayerfully consider whether this is for you. That letter was saying, and this is popular, even in our synod, we are the pastors, and we are not going to allow you to come together for worship. And I'm looking back in my church history going, where has this ever been the case? Right. I mean, the pastor's job is to provide word and sacrament ministry. Whether you show up or not, right, you can argue in these days it's not a good idea. No. Right? But the clergy are the ones nudging you to do it. Your medical health providers probably nudging you not to do it. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time that I can think of in church history where the clergy are leading the charge to forbid people 
It's not saying we encourage you not to come. It's forbidding them to worship. And that that tells me, I don't know what it tells me, but I know what it's telling me is not good. Yeah. For the for the like even when it was scary in Europe and and Nazis were dropping bombs on cities, they still wanted to worship and tried to find a way to worship and found ways to worship. And pastors going to be there with church. Yeah. Um you look people love to quote the Luther thing about if there was a plague, I'm not going to get people sick. Right. Right. Um, Luther was still going to church. Yeah. Church was still being offered in the middle of the plague. Mm -hmm. He's not saying, so I want churches to shut down. And again, I'm okay with in a church, the pastor advocates for worship and the governing board says no. And the answer ends up being no. But as clergy, we should be the ones that are making the best argument, the best case for why we should worship. Let other people make the case for why we shouldn't. But our job is to advocate for. Right. Um, and, and, and as, as a whole, uh, again, cross denominations, I don't think we've been faithful to that. And I think that says something about how we view what we do just overall as clergy across denominations, the value of what we provide and what it is we provide. Yeah. And it, it, it seems like we, you're right. We've devalued it to, to say it is less than something important. I, I hate this whole, uh, conversation about who's essential and who's not essential, it's such a bad word to use, and and the reality is we're discovering, like, weirdly, essential people are, are often really low paid. <laughs> like, right. They're the factory workers huh. and meat plant processors. Like, because we would have said, like, the most essential people are the, the most bright and brilliant and, like, yeah. You mean doctors are laid off during this thing? Yeah. So Alyssa's brother's an ER, my wife's. Uh, brother is an ER doctor in, up in North Dakota, and he was saying about how he doesn't know if his uh, if his company is going to survive. Really? Because they're laying COVID patients cost their hospital forty thousand dollars a pop. Oof. Now it's North Dakota, so they don't have a ton of them. Right. But they're shutting down all their other operations to treat pandemic. He's going. I don't know if we're going to survive this. Right. Like, so let me get this straight. And you saw nationwide all the medical people being laid off in the middle of a health crisis. Whatever cockamamie mm-hmm. system we've devised mm-hmm. results in laying off of healthcare workers. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Nobody's going to physical therapy right now when, when there's COVID. Like physical therapists, you would say that's pretty essential. You know, people, you know, they, they get My hurt and injured and yeah. they, you know, they, they need to get back to life. They need to get, you know, there's so much. Well, that's not happening. <laughs> we had people uh, in our church need like testing for cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Like, I'm sorry. We had to wait three months. What was stage two and treatable is now stage four and curable. Mm-hmm. But hey, you freed up a bed and a COVID wing that nobody took. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what the equation is, but it's just, it's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. But definitely sending people to meat packing plants. But I mean, they're not wrong. Like if, if the country ran out of meat, that would be bad. Like if there was a, if there was a run on meat, we would be looking at like serious riots in the streets and, and would, more hunting and more hunting. Number one, I'd be fine. I got a freezer full of deer. I'm, so, I'm good right. to go. <laughs> but, but it's so, so again, getting back to freedom in, in a free market, the value of your meatpacking people went from minimum wage to what? $60 an hour overnight. <sighs> Let the free market figure it out. Eventually mm-hmm. we're going to pay you enough where you're going to show back up to work. Well, and that's the weird thing is that it's, it's not just that there are people who are saying, they shouldn't, you should never 
create that environment where somebody you're, you're incentivizing somebody to do something that is against their health. Not it's between risk. you and them. I know. And, that, and that's the thing. It's like, well, that's what we do with, you know, the, the famous one is um, crab fishermen. It's like the most dangerous Dude, job. Right. Oh, and they do that because they make they a pile of money. And that's their choice. Right. You can try to talk to all the would-be crab fishers and educate them as to the, the, the reward. This is, is bad for your risk. health. Right. <laughs> but, but, but who are you to tell them you can't do that? Mm-hmm. And then the argument is, well, these meatpacking people are vulnerable and don't really have a whole lot of leverage in what they can negotiate and all that and go, I'm not going to argue that. But, I mean, before all this happened, there were a lot of help-wanted signs. Mm-hmm for jobs that you could just walk in and take. Mm-hmm. So they're choosing them because they think the risk is worth the reward. Right. Or the reward is worth the risk. Yeah. But the, yeah. The, that's where the free market would have to make that adjustment to say, well, we really need to have meat pack, packing workers. So we're going to up the wages, but then you're going to spend like $40 per chicken breast. <laughs> well, then the cost of meat goes up, then the demand goes down. Then you can, I mean that, but that's how the free market, that's how yeah. economies work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So your online worship right now, are, are you streaming it like Facebook Live or what are you doing? YouTube. YouTube? So we're doing yeah. YouTube and then posting it on Facebook mm-hmm. and that. And uh, it's been fun becoming a crack uh, video editor. <laughs> it's probably the most boring job ever. It is. It's I, super I boring. tell you what, when this, I, I, I keep telling you this, like I, I need to get away from screens. Yeah. I'm sucking my soul out. Yeah. I'm making it fat and lazy. I <laughs> Like the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I fortunately have just some hobby experience doing it. So I, we were in a good position when things went sideways. Um, best thing I did is, is I did I had the research already done because I just kind of, again, camera and, and video editing is a bit of a thing of mine. So I went out and bought a camera right away. And now you can't you can't buy a digital camera that you can use to record a service if your life depended on it. They're just you can't buy you can't buy webcams. There's a ton of things you can't buy. You know what we found? And I'm not an Apple guy. Like I mm-hmm. use a Mac computer because all my stuff is on Mac since when I started being a pastor. So I'm trapped. Right. We found we had a couple of cameras that we bought, went out and bought. And they weren't super expensive, but they were like we spent money on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, iPhone is better. Yeah. So plug for Apple. Your iPhone, man, makes better videos than the camera that I use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to use that camera. And I don't have an iPhone. But <laughs> no, we just have a, a Coop is our millennial pastor. So <laughs> yeah. he uh, he figured it out and we can video edit. But I tell you what, sitting in front of that screen all the time, ah, yeah. people with computer jobs, God bless you. Uh-huh. You got to go outside. <laughs> you got to go outside. True story. Uh, yeah. So do you want to, do you want to talk politics? I would love to because I made this. Because it's. I made this – and here's the best part, and I, and I know where you're going to go with this, and I'm, I'm with you 100%. Tulsi? But no. I'm with, I'm with Tulsi 100%, but that's not happening. I, I know you are because you, you have a poster of her. I wish I had a poster of Tulsi. That would be awesome. Um, when I made that bet with my buddy Dave, uh, I go, David, it, so we, we set up the bet. I took Biden versus the field. We made the bet. And I went, whoa, 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 can what, I move? what was the over-under on that? Was it know. even? Yeah. Okay. I, I just I okay, took then. Biden. He took the field. Good for you. <laughs> I knew it. I I knew they were going to do this because they did Hillary. Because they, they picked Hillary. Yes, absolutely. But then the one caveat. I so after the bet, I go. Can we make one provision? Sorry. Okay. And the provision was, um, this, this is in a time we we made a a handful of bets. But the I said the one provision is I go. She's not in the race. 
but I I think there is still this. So he, I, what I was saying is, you can't if Hillary jumps in and wins it over Biden is not the field is not the field, and the so current field. Yes, that's exactly the the provision. I was like, but we, let's let's stipulate here that who is the not field? Biden versus the world. Biden versus the field. Yes. Okay. So um, Biden versus death by natural causes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, fair bet. so he he did allow that, and I I am not a conspiracy theorist guy, but I find it He's interesting. Going downhill pretty quick. Well, and and this really, whole like really unnaturally. Yeah, like, but this this no, Tara Reid thing. This this thing is she's she's legit. Yes, because it's documented. Like after it happened, she yes. it was like something just happened. Yes. So it happened. And, and all of the Democrats are like, well, you have to have due process, except for, you know, like Kavanaugh. Like, so they're, they're, so they're screwed. It. They're screwed there on the yes. double standard. Yes. The Republicans have them over a barrel on a double standard on something that matters. Because Me Too matters. And yes. if you swing Me Too red, <laughs> look at Pence to run. Uh, he won't go out to dinner with you. <laughs> I mean, it's like. <laughs> but no, I. Uh, I So I think there will be. So everybody's dropped out. Suspended their campaign is different than dropping out. They're going, we're still going to have our delegates and we're still going to show up. We're just not campaigning anymore. I would, I would not be surprised at all if essentially the DNC says, well, Biden was the best candidate clearly because he won. He's got the most delegates. So all of you are subpar. And if, if they say we really can't have Biden because of Tara Reid. Like this thing with her allegations um, is – Why come out with Tara Reid now? Like why not wait till September? Like the minute Biden accepts the nomination, you're like, and Tara Reid. No, you need more time. You need, you need to let it cook and stew and, and get like really deeply into people. And I'm, But this is going to turn people – like the Republicans should want Biden. No, this, I'm, I'm talking all DNC. Okay. So, so then what the DNC yeah, will I'm, do, the DNC goes, we can't do Biden – Here's Hillary. And she loses bigger than she lost the first time. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think that's the move. No. I think it might be the move, no, man. No, 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 no. I, I, I think the DNC is done with the Clintons. I don't see mm-hmm. – I don't think – I don't think you uh-uh. – Well, if it, gets to, if it gets to the – Because the, because then you piss off the Bernie bros. But if it gets to the convention – well, but see, Biden beat Bernie. So the DNC but gets the to the Bernie bros say, are going, we're second place. First place dropped out, second place. You're going to screw us twice, both times with Hillary. Nobody wants to be screwed twice by Hillary. (laughs) (laughs) Including Bill. (laughs) Maybe especially Bill. (laughs) The proof is at least (laughs) once. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I I think it's too obvious, though. I mean, they have to be begging Michelle, like, why don't you want it? This is easy for you. I could see that, too. I could see a swap with Michelle. I think Michelle Michelle would win. I actually think she would too. <laughs> I think she'd be a terrible president. Yeah, but the media would cover for her so much that it would be. You would never know. But it, but so, so you're the DNC. This is this has been my conspiracy theory long term since before you made your bet. They don't want to win the presidency. Oh yeah, you told me this. The before. Democrat yep. Party does not want to win the presidency. You're going. What the heck? No, There's more money in it. Democrats want to win the presidency, mm-hmm. but the Democrat Party does not because. The Democrat Party was on the ropes with Obama. Obama took down that party from being the majority party in all houses of Congress, state legislatures and all that. And he destroyed nationally the Democrat Party. Yeah. And Trump has done nothing but make people 
gravitate towards Democrats. Trump has been the best thing for the Democrat Party in terms of gaining seats, in terms of money, yeah. and all that. So I think you have you have a. So I, I would argue that the Democrat Party. Why do we want this one job when we can get all the other jobs? Why do we want the presidency if we know, medium to long term, it will cost us all these other jobs? We leave Trump in. There's more money in it. We keep winning. I just in I other just, things. Just come back to there's more money in fighting Trump than there is in having your own guy that you don't fight. Mm-hmm. That I mean, donors. Now that, we're, now that we're in charge, we're on the defensive. Yeah. So I think I think Biden maybe they want him because. We all know what happens when you debate Trump. We all know what happens. Mm-hmm. You get your butt handed to you. But hey, those Democrats going to the polls may – the same ones that voted for Trump the first time may vote for him again. But the down ballots are going to go blue. Yeah. Because, you know – There's going to be a ton of money dumped into the in that election to the down ballot. It's going to be huge. Yeah. No, I'm, that's that's my conspiracy theory is that the party actually doesn't want to win the presidency. Democrats do, but right. the party doesn't. I've always I've always said that about the gun debate. I know I'm a, a gun nut. I get that. But like the gun debate, essentially, if if they wanted to do something that they would they would come together with a decent plan, they would talk to experts and they would present something that would be decent legislation or something passable. You can't run on it. Well, there's some more money in in saying, oh, we try to do the good things with the guns and then the Republicans Maybe's. get in the way and the NRA. And But if you give us more money, we'll fight harder. No, all these issues, no one, politically, you don't want to solve them. Right. Red people can win in red districts running on red issues and blue people can win in blue districts running on blue issues. So you're, the Republicans had control of everything for six years back with Bush and abortion was still on demand. Yet you claim to be the party of life. Explain that to me. Mm-hmm. Democrats with Obama, you guys were in control of everything. The best you could do is Obamacare. Yeah. Really? Well, and you know that they didn't want real quality nationalized health care. Because they know it doesn't work. Well, I think we they do think. that debate, but I, I think they think uh, it works. I think they think it works. I think the Democrat voter thinks it should work, but I think the politicians know better. I don't, I th- I don't think they do. I think they think it works. They think they're good enough to manage one-seventh of the economy. I don't think they want to. I think they. I think it's like this. Here's a great solution, but then. Um, but, but, but it doesn't solve the big problem of me getting reelected because now I don't have something to run on. And again, just money. I, I just keep coming back to money. It's just money. So, so if, if you solve this problem, um, all of these these dump trucks of cash that pull up from uh, big pharma and all of these lobbyists that goes away. So you're saying, so if I do this, then uh, all of the health insurance companies that pour money into my campaign and into my pockets and on all all that money that's coming, that all goes away because they go away. So I, I just have to, to solve the problem. I just don't want to solve the problem. I want to say I'm trying to solve the problem. Yeah, but the freaking other time, team gets I'm in the gonna way. I'm going to try harder. So you need to help me. Yeah, give me more money. Chip in. Donate today. It's just money, man. It's like the the number one thing that drives all of the policy making is really at the end of the day money. And it, honestly, that's been a little bit refreshing during COVID nineteen stuff because we've sacrificed a ton of money because people are more important. And it's like a bit of a wake up call for a lot of people. I think they were like, "Boy, this is this really hurts." How far it goes, how long it goes, right. all of that is is a debatable question that that needs a lot of looking into it. I. I think there's going to be a lot of things opened up. I think we're going to be wide open by June for almost everything. It's, it's the big stuff like churches, um, exercise clubs. I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to lifetime fitness, man. It's, 
don't know how they're going to do it. Well, that one person now? <laughs> right. <laughs> I heard that. One time, like, oh my gosh. I'm just, you can just picture like everyone plastered up against the window and some dude stepping <laughs> it out, smiling, loving life. He's in Taking there. Taking big breaks between <laughs> sets. Like, oh. Looking at himself. He's yes, huge. flexing in the mirror. he knows the minute he walks out, like you're not getting back in until way after yeah. the season. <laughs> you got to hit every machine. <laughs> The desperately you have thirty minutes. Go. <laughs> the yeah. Panic lifting. No, that's weird. I I, I think like Aspen because I, I go to Trail Point and Aspen. I think Aspen. I mean that's a smaller. Yeah. But but maybe on the fifteenth because here in Iowa, I don't know how you do it in your state, but basically, um, the governor has come out and and piecemeal open things up by county. Mm-hmm. And so we're in one of the counties that you can't do things in. Yes. So if you want to work out, you have to go. Is that statewide or is that – if I went up to Ames, could I work out in Ames? I don't know. Because that's only like 20 minutes from us. Right. Swanky people. Right. That's a good question. I do I do miss – it's all gone. I know. I'm, I'm, I've been running. I've been running too and I freaking hate running. You need loud music. Uh, Godsmack. If Godsmack is good running uh, music because you get angry, because you hate things, because you're running. Yes. But the hate makes you stronger and you run faster. Yeah, I hate running. You feel like you have COVID because you can't breathe (laughs) and your knees hurt. Nothing hurt the first couple times. And then, like, the thing below your calf, not your Achilles, but in between. Yeah. That started hurting. Yeah. Okay. Long time ago, I ran a marathon. That never hurt. (laughs) But now, fat old me goes out and huffs it for two and a half, three miles. This thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's. Yeah, running. Runner's high is a real thing. Yeah feels good. I, I've been lifting a little bit in my basement um, really, really intermittently. I built a fence. That was a decent workout. I shoveled rocks. There you go. I, mean, I don't know. Rocks. What's more manly, a fence or rocks? Probably rocks. I also, I mowed. <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> I have a kid, so he mows. But yeah. What else COVID-19 should we talk about? Uh, predictions. Predictions. Where we are by the end of what would be summer break. Everything's back to normal. We say, screw the virus. We're all going to get sick. Old, old sick people stay home. I want to agree with you. I, I, I just wonder how, because I do see like there's becoming a red team and a blue team for even a pandemic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm just curious how that, I kind of don't know how that plays out. Yeah, it's, it's going to be weird, but I think that especially the taste of summer that, that will be wonderful for like, cause things will relax and open up some and people are going to get a taste of that. And they're like, okay, now we're going to have to, no, 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 we're not going back now. We're, we're in this and they're going to treat it like they treat the flu, which is a lot of people get sick and die from the flu. A lot of people get sick and die from COVID-19. If you are susceptible, you shouldn't be out and about either way. You should, you know, and, and there may be, there may be some treatments. Um, this Renzitivir, however you the say it. expensive one. Mm-hmm. It's weird how the cheap one, yeah, you don't use that one, but we have this mm-hmm. $10,000 option over here. But it's, you know. Right, I, but it might. Yeah. We'll see. And I, and I think that, you know, the government will still go to great lengths to make that uh, affordable for people. Because we're in that mode, man. We're just printing money like crazy and throwing it at this thing. So I would think at least for another year, there will be a lot of money printed and thrown at um, Ren's Dizavadir, however you say it. And then there could be a vaccine. Uh, mm-hmm. I've heard I've heard 
amazing. Everybody keeps saying a year. The viro- virologist I had on, Brian, said probably a year. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's already, what, two, three months in? But I've, I've, I've actually heard that there's some that are fast-tracked and could be closer to like eight months. So we're almost halfway there? Yeah. Wow. I, so you're painting an optimistic picture. I don't think that's optimistic. I think that's... I don't know if it's a good thing is what I'm saying. I, I think that we're going we're gonna to say, screw this. You can't keep us locked up. We're just going to be out and about. And then a ton of people are going to get sick and die. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. It's, because I think, cause all of a sudden it's weird that like now that we're learning more about this is a disease for the weak and the old. Mm-hmm. How long a pro-abortion culture mm-hmm. gives a crap about the weak and the old. Yeah. Because uh, we're going to stop now because it's kind of like – this whole thing has been the new hotness. Like, look at me in my mask and like, look at me, social, look at me doing mm-hmm. whatever. And eventually you're like, I want my job back. Yeah. And that means old people that don't have a long time to live die. I'm not going to come out and say it, but I don't care uh-huh. because I don't think that most people, I mean, Christians aside, right. We should care. Right. But general people, I don't think they care. No. And once they realize this isn't going to hurt you. Yeah. They're going to stop caring. And if grandma, grandma, I'm not going to say anything, but I don't care. And especially if they don't see it, see it. Because it's not sexy anymore. It's not fun anymore. Yeah. It's not, I'm not a martyr anymore for doing it. I'm not a hero or a martyr for doing this. Right. And if they can't see it, I mean, this is what the abortion debate yeah. kind of revolves around too. That's why they don't want you showing pictures of dead fetuses to people because I don't want to see it. I just want it vacuumed out so it goes away. Mm-hmm. Let's make that happen. So we're agreeing on this too, huh? I think so. Mm-hmm. Not much disagreement. Yeah, I think we're going to be back to normal by the end of summer. And then a lot of people get sick and die. But a lot of people that I don't know. Right. So it doesn't matter. I don't have to look at them. No, they were going <laughs> to die anyway. Right? No, but that's going to be the yeah. that's going to be the thing that you don't say, but that's going to be driving the... Because once it's not sexy to be doing this stuff, once you don't get patted on the back and affirmed, I think a lot of the reason why, because the authorities came out and said right away, we were really surprised how... Y'all are actually doing this. Like mm-hmm. Our models were based on y'all going to be knuckleheads, mm-hmm. but y'all are actually obeying. Hmm, that's interesting. But because I think a lot of this was affirmed by social media and in previous pandemics and previous models did not have the affirmation you get and the dopamine hit that you get from people, oh, you have your mask on. Good for you. You're saving a life. Stay inside. Save a life. Our ancestors had to go off and fight a war. You're being told to sit on your couch. You know, that kind of thing. There's a lot of affirming that people got to do all this. And the and inverse. when that goes away. Yeah. The, the inverse is the shame too. The, the shame factor of how how can you be out in a – Why do you want to kill mask? Yeah, you want to kill everybody? I was going to be like, you kill babies. Like, <laughs> what are you – no, like you are for I'm, the active killing. I've been waiting killing. for this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's talk about taking actions that end life. <laughs> <laughs> for the innocent and the weak mm-hmm. and the defenseless, mm-hmm. people without a voice. Yeah. I've heard of this. <laughs> right? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And maybe we will have a constructive debate about, so why is life valuable? Why is someone else's life valuable? Yeah. No, I agree. That's, it's, a, it's a great platform for having that conversation. I, and again, I, it just boils down to if I don't have to see them, and I, then I won't feel the shame. I won't, I won't have to deal with it emotionally. And that's, we're going to be there real quick. Because like you said, culture of death where we, we love mm-hmm. abortion. Oh, absolutely. This is going to happen. And now it's like abortion for old people. Yeah. Who has to live for? And quality of life in that too. And yeah. if they die now, I can get my inheritance. Yeah, like like all, that, all that factors in uh-huh. to, a, to a secular worldview. My kids call it the boomer remover. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this bad boy up. Thanks for coming in, Duncan. It's been good. All right. Till next time. And there you have it. Duncan and Luke again. Dynamic duo. That's fun. Silly Duncan. Duncan is so silly. Uh, that was great. And uh, if there's anything else you guys want me to talk about, just let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know if there's anything that you'd like me to cover on the podcast or guests you think I should have. I've got a few in mind that I'd still kind of like to figure out how we can do that um, via Skype or Zoom or etc. But uh, yeah, hope you guys are staying safe. I uh, hope everything is uh, opening up safely soon and you're back in your usual um, mode of life as quickly as possible because I'm sick and tired of being stuck inside. So yeah, whatever. Till next time, be good. Bye.